Good morning, Stonebridge. Good to be worshiping. Yeah, there we go. Good to be worshiping with you this morning. Um, we're going through this series called The Three C's, which is just the heartbeat of what our church believes and what our church is all about, the DNA of our church, so to speak. Um, and the first week we talked about celebrating, and that's fun. Everyone lo- likes talking about celebrating and talking about how we're celebrating God because He is worthy regardless of what's happening around us. And we had the little kazoo things with us. If you missed that week, you really missed out. It was a good time. Um, last week, Joey talked about connecting, and everyone at least loves the concept of connecting, even if they're a little hesitant to connect with other people. We, we see the value. We see that that's really important. Yeah, this, yeah I want to be a part of a church that, that wants to connect. That's great. And everyone wants to find their sweet spot to contribute their time and their, their talents, right? I want to find that thing that I'm really good at and use that to serve other people, use that to serve the church. Makes me, me feel really uh, valued and important and, and, and I'm, I'm doing something and it's great. Everyone loves talking about that. I'm not talking about that this week. Joey gets that next week. Um, hardly anyone wants to talk about what I get to talk about this week and that's contributing your treasure or your money. Why does hardly anyone want to hear about this or talk about it? Because it's incredibly personal. But why is it so personal? Because it discloses what you truly value. And it discloses your true heart. It shows not just what you say you care about, but what you actually care about. I want you to imagine for a second, if I put up on the screen your bank account, every purchase... Um, everything from the last month. I'm not going to do that. I don't have anyone's bank account information except Joey's. You can put that up. I'm just kidding. I don't have (laughs) Joey. No, but just imagine if we did that. Okay, that'd be kind of freaky, but it would show what you really value and really care about because it shows your true heart. So contributing your money is actually way less about your money and way more about your heart. Now, what do I mean when I'm talking about heart? So in the Bible, every time that term is used, it's talking about the seat of our emotions. Or um, it's, it's what you're concentrated on. It's what you're preoccupied with. That's what your heart is. Okay, it's what drives you. And Jesus values contributing money so much. He talks about it a ton. In the Gospels, he values contributing money so much because Jesus cares about people's hearts. And Stonebridge values contributing money so much because we care about people's hearts. And so I hope and pray that that's what's conveyed today as we open up the word. We're not, I'm not here to twist your arm to give money to the church. I'm here to help you understand what God says about money and help you understand that I really care about your heart, and so does our church, and so does Jesus. And so if we didn't address money, we would be doing you a disservice, actually. What I want to do today is, is by showing you in God's Word that you can actually be free from the bondage that money can be. I bet a lot of us in here feel pretty chained to money in certain ways, and I want you to be able to find the most joy possible in the way that you manage the money that God's given to you. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 6. If you have a Bible, you can turn there with me. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. 
Matthew 6, 24. I know sometimes it's kind of like, why is Matt giving this awkward silence? You know, I actually want you to see in the Bible, Jesus is saying this. Okay, because I can say all sorts of things up here. Joey can say all sorts of things up here. But what does God say? I want you to see that. I want 10 years from now, you'll be able to go back. You're not going to remember the things I say necessarily, but go back and see, okay, what, what does Jesus say? That's, that's why I value it. That's why I take the time for you to, to open up the Bible and see what God's saying. So here it is, Matthew six twenty four. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Here's what Jesus is saying. You have two choices. You can serve God or you can serve money. There's no in-between. You can serve God with money or you can serve money as the lowercase g God in your life. Those are the only two choices Jesus gives us. So I want to show you in the surrounding passages around verse 24 today how Jesus offers to free our hearts from the bondage that money can be and find the most joy possible. So how do we know if money is starting to become our lowercase g God? Well, we examine our hearts. How is money competing with God for your heart? I think one major way, I actually know one major way that money is competing with a lot of people's hearts here today is through significance. You're trying to find your significance in money. And Jesus knew that. So look at verse 19 and 20 with me. Matthew six nineteen and 20. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Do you find your significance in the stuff that you have? In your car? In your house? In your cell phone? Do you feel insignificant because of the stuff that you don't have? The car that you don't have? The house that you don't have? The cell phone that you don't have? If I could have this, then it would be all worth it and I would be worth it. What is that for you? If I could have this, I'd be making it. I'd be worth it. A pastor, Dave Harvey, said, We have an inescapable tendency to link who we are with what we have. Think about it. A soccer mom, what's she linked to? Anyone? Minivan, exactly, right? Thank you. So you got the Apple guy, all right? The Apple guy's linked to his iWatch and his iPhone and his iWhatever, all those i things that, that come out, right? So we're inescapably linked to the things we have, okay? And Jesus here essentially is saying, do you have stuff Or does stuff have you? Or do you have money or does money have you? And Jesus says what the problem is here. Verse 19, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. He's essentially saying it's all going to burn. Everything that money can buy is going to decay and burn. You can't take it with you. You want to feel really worthless? Find your worth in stuff that money can buy. 
You want a surefire way to feel significant, to never feel significant enough? Find your worth in stuff that money can buy. You know, this is just as much a problem for people that have wealth as for people that don't have as much wealth. Okay, if you have more money, if you have more stuff, you have this never ending letdown of stuff satisfying you. Right. I've gotten glimpses of this. Okay, um, for a season of life, um, Amazon. Okay, Amazon.com. I was I was more or less addicted to ordering stuff off Amazon, even for church things. It was like I, I not it's not that I even wanted more stuff. I just liked getting a package in the mail, okay? And I could never get enough packages coming in the mail from Amazon, right? It was, it was kind of weird. Um, but that happens, you know? That, that's, that's kind of a, uh, maybe a little silly example, but um, we find our significance way too often in stuff that money can buy. Or, or if you don't have as much money, it's a never-ending letdown of stuff that you rarely get. And when you get it, it still doesn't satisfy. So for me, I never had cable growing up. We didn't have much money, couldn't afford it. Um, so we didn't have cable. So I always wanted ESPN. I, I, I'm big into sports. And I'm like, man, if I could just have that one channel, I, I, man, it would be worth it. I would be worth it, right? But then I grow up and I get Sling TV. Okay, if anyone knows what that is, that's, that's just a streaming um, option for cable, kind of, and you just get a few channels. But I got ESPN and ESPN too, okay? So you'd think I'd just be happy and content. Well, guess what? I'm not because now I want DirecTV so I can get NFL Network, right? I'm just, I'm never satisfied. I'm never there. So whether you have money or you don't have money, you're never quite satisfied with the things that money can or cannot do for you. And the remedy, Jesus says here, is to lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. It says in verse 20. What does that mean? I think essentially that's distributing money in ways that make Jesus look really good. Distributing money in ways that make Jesus look really good. Doing things with money that will matter in a thousand years when you're in heaven. You know, people, um, as they get farther along in life, want to leave a legacy here on earth. So they'll, they'll buy um, a pavilion or the, for, for a park or they'll, they'll buy a statue or whatever. There's all sorts of things people do to try to leave a legacy here on earth. And Jesus is saying your mindset shift, th- there needs to be a mindset shift from stockpiling wealth here on earth don't be as, and there's nothing wrong with le- leaving a legacy here on earth. In fact, that's, that's good to some degree. But we need to shift in our mind. We need to care more about stockpiling wealth in heaven than we need to care about stockpiling wealth here on earth. When it, say, when it says lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, when I read that, I was like, it still says lay up treasures for yourself. Isn't that selfish? So I turned to Randy Alcorn, which is, he's a great resource. This, this book, The Treasure Principle, I would encourage you all to just go out and get this. Um, it, it's fantastic. But he says this about this verse. Selfishness is when we pursue gain at the expense of others. But God doesn't have a limited number of treasures to distribute. 
when you store up treasures for yourself in heaven, it doesn't reduce the treasures available to others. In fact, it is by serving God and others that we store up heavenly treasures. Everyone gains, no one loses. So he's saying here, yes, you are actually storing up treasures in heaven. That's fantastic. You're storing up treasure for yourself. But everybody wins in that situation. God gets glory. Other people are helped. And you become less shackled to money. You might say, well, Matt, I already have the greatest treasure. I believed in Jesus. I'm his. I'm going to be in heaven when I die. Why do I need to store up treasures in heaven? Well, yeah, you, you do have that because of the cross of Jesus Christ if you've believed in him. But you can earn possessions and pleasures in heaven that are going to be indescribably worth it. We see it here and we see it sprinkled throughout the New Testament. What if, what if you knew when Amazon.com, when that company started, what if you knew that that company was going to be worth millions someday? What would you do? You would put as much money as you could into Amazon stock, and your friends would make fun of you for it. Okay, they'd go, what's Amazon? What are you doing with your money? That's ridiculous. No, this isn't going to catch on. But somehow you knew, okay? Just pretend that you could know that it's going to be worth millions. You'd put in as much as you can. Why? Because you knew that it would pay off guaranteed uh, riches in the future, guaranteed millions in return. We know without a shadow of a doubt, because Jesus told us that there are going to be eternal rewards that will not fade and will have infinite value forever. So why not invest? Here's what Jesus isn't saying when he says lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. He's not saying give away everything to the church, to missions, or the poor. He might call you to do that, but for most of us, that's not what this means. We have to provide for our family. We have to take care of basic needs. Proverbs says that essentially over and over. It's even good to enjoy what God's blessed us with. Um, 1 Timothy six seventeen up on the screen says, As for the rich in this present age... Charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Did you catch that last part? He gives us money. He gives us things to enjoy it. But don't find your hope. Don't find your worth. Don't find your significance in those riches. Just enjoy them as blessings from God. It's good to enjoy the things he's giving us. Jesus also isn't saying that money is bad. Don't spend it. Don't save it. What he is saying is that we need to redirect our mindset from stockpiling wealth here on earth to stockpiling wealth in heaven. Pastor Tim Keller um, had a great illustration of this. Um, When you walk into someone else's house, how do you react? If, when you walk into someone's house of someone that is more wealthy than you, do you get a superiority complex? Do you look at the ha- that house and go, how could they live so extravagantly? What are they doing? They're, they're spending their money poorly. What is going on here? Or you walk into someone's house, someone's house who's, who's more wealthy than you, and you go, man, I wish I had this. 
Oh, wow. I live in a dump. I, man, what, what is going on? Or when you walk into someone's house that doesn't have as much as you, what's that like for you? You go, wow, how could they live like this? Really? Couldn't they afford a, a little better this, a little better that? What is going on here? Come on. You're thinking that in your head. How do you react to people who are not as wealthy as you? How do you react to people that are more wealthy than you? Can you love people? Can you respect people who are more wealthy than you? Do you love people? Can you, can you respect people who aren't as wealthy as you? That is a great test to see if you're finding your significance in money, in stuff, or not. If you find yourself trapped by the search for significance from money or stuff, or trapped by the lack of significance from money or stuff that you don't have, I want to invite you this morning. Jesus wants to invite you to find your significance in what you already have in Jesus. If you believed in Him, find your significance in Jesus, in a relationship with Him, in heaven that's guaranteed, and the heavenly wealth that you can be storing up in heaven. Be free from the bondage of money by setting your heart on things above and by concentrating and becoming preoccupied with Jesus more than money. So how else is money competing with God for your heart? Maybe it's not significance, but maybe it's for security. Look at 24 through 30 with me. Matthew 6, 24 through 30. No one can serve two masters. For the, either he will hate the one and love the other, <clears throat> or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put, uh, or what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? All right, Jesus. I thought you were talking about money. Verse 24, he's talking about money. You cannot serve God in money. And then he starts talking about anxiety. Why? Jesus knows that all humans are prone to find their security in money. He also knows that all humans are prone to worry and not trust God because of money. Maybe you never feel quite safe enough. Maybe you never feel quite secure enough. I mean, even people who don't have much money really struggle with this, with feeling content. They're always anxious about their car breaking down or their water heater going out or, or this or that happening. So 
So regardless of your financial situation, are you preoccupied and are you concerned with the what-ifs of life? What if a tornado hits my house? What What if my car breaks down? What if I lose my job? What if my spouse dies and they're the main breadwinner? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? Now before I go any farther with that, I just have to throw in a disclaimer. It's actually good and wise to prepare for all the things I just said. It's even biblical. Proverbs 21.20 says, In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. Okay? It says, Fools do not save. Wise people save up and prepare for those sort of things. So yes, get life insurance. Yes, prepare for those sort of things. Absolutely. But I'm asking, and Jesus is asking in this passage, are your thoughts overtaken by the what-ifs? Is anxious a good word to describe your thoughts about money? Are you constantly grasping for control of money that isn't yours anyways? It's God's. Are you constantly longing for safety from money or from stuff? See, the problem here is that 100% security cannot be found in anything that money can buy. Notice here that Jesus isn't talking about life insurance in this. He's talking about something way less basic. He's talking about clothing. He's talking about food. He's saying, will you trust me with those things? See, the remedy is to find our security in the God who provides. So if you lost your job, your car broke down, your savings was drained, would you feel insecure? I went on a missions trip to Honduras when I was 14. And I met a man who had practically nothing. And he was the most content man. He worked really hard, but just the economy and the situation he was in, it was was hard to make money. Why was he so joyful? Because his security was found in Jesus. It wasn't found in what he had. He often didn't know where his meal for his family was coming at night. He didn't know where that was going to come from. Most of us here don't struggle with that fear. This guy in Honduras understood that his security is found in God, not in what he has or doesn't have. So how much more for us who have so much here? Even the poorest of us in America are rich compared to the rest of the world. God has blessed us with so much so much and we need to find our security in God who's going to provide for us my trust is in him or think about someone who has a lot of money okay I knew a guy who lost his job and it didn't look like he was going to find another job anytime soon and his savings started to get drained and life started to get tough from a money standpoint But he was content and he was secure through it all. Why? Because his contentment, his security wasn't found in his pocketbook. It was found in God. See, this isn't, this doesn't have to do with how much money you have or don't have. It has to do with your heart. Are you finding your security, your safety in the things that money can buy? Are you finding your security in God? When you start to find your significance and security in Jesus more than money, 
It actually frees you to do a couple different things. It frees you to give away your money more radically than you ever thought possible. And it also frees you to find joy in giving away your money more than you ever thought possible. So if you turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 with me. How can we walk in this freedom? 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7. And Paul here is, is talking to the church in Corinth and he's challenging them to put their heart, to put their money where their heart is. And 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7 says, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So much packed into that little verse. So if your significance is found in Jesus, it means it's not your money anyways, it's God. If your security is found in Jesus, then we can be not reluctant, not hesitant, but radical. See, it says here, not reluctantly. Don't give reluctantly. Not hesitantly. Oh man, I guess if I have to. No, instead we do it radically. See, Jesus sets the example of this for us. He provided for us radically on the cross. We were just singing about it. The Lamb of God in my place. His blood poured out. You know, Jesus, while maintaining His Godhood, decided to humiliate Himself by becoming a human. And you better believe that was a blow to His security, His feeling of security, His feeling of significance. But not only that, He then gave His life on the cross died a horrible death. Jesus provided for us radically on the cross. And here's the thing. He didn't give 10% of Himself on the cross. Because if He did, I wouldn't be saved and neither would you. He gave Him His whole self. He was radical in the way He gave of Himself. His sacrifice hurt Him. See, when we find our significance in Jesus and not in money, and we find our security in Jesus and not in money, His example frees us. Frees us to give really radically, just like Jesus gave radically. You can actually provide radically to meet the needs of the church, to meet the needs of the poor, to meet the needs of others. If giving is a priority because Jesus is your first love. See, if your giving isn't affecting your everyday life, it isn't radical. I know that might sting, but think, is that giving radically if it doesn't really have an effect on you? And if you, if you don't find any joy, if that doesn't sound freeing to you, if that doesn't sound exciting to give radically, then go back to the gospel. Am I really finding my significance in Jesus? Am I really finding my security in Jesus? Because when we start to understand the gospel, we start doing radical things. And why would it be any, any different with our money? When we find our significance and security in Jesus more than money, it also frees us to give away money joyfully. And that's where I want to end today. Same verse, 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. 
Not under compulsion. He loves a cheerful giver. My significance is found in Jesus. Therefore, I enjoy giving to the poor. I enjoy giving to others, to the church. To the degree to which you find your value in Jesus is the degree to which you will enjoy giving to what Jesus values. And so I will say unashamedly that Jesus loves his church. He calls it his bride. So the degree to which you find your value in Jesus is the degree to which you will enjoy giving to what Jesus values. The poor, the church, others. If your security is found in Jesus, you're not giving out of fear or obligation either. You're joyfully giving whatever you've decided in your heart. You come before God. Okay, God, what would you have me give away? Because this isn't mine. And I want to do this joyfully. But how can we practically become a cheerful giver? A joyful giver? Because even if we're finding our security, even if we're finding our significance in Jesus, it's still hard to find joy in giving. I skipped a verse on purpose. Look at Matthew 6.21. If you can go back there with me. It says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Randy Alcorn says, My heart always goes where I put God's money. You decide, my life's all about Jesus. My life's all about what Jesus is about. So, when Jesus says this, where your treasure is, your heart will be also, it means you decide what you're going to give before you even get anything, before you even receive a paycheck, before you know how much overtime you're going to get to work or not work. You decide, I'm going to give X percent. And I'm not here to, to throw out how much you should give. You need to ask God. That's what we just read, right? But you decided ahead of time. I did this in college. I made nothing in college. Not nothing. I, I made very little. I was in debt. I went to a pretty expensive private school. And I was working a, a, a janitor job at night at the school. And I was barely making anything. But you know what? I love Jesus. I love Jesus. And found a lot of joy in giving away my money. And I decided I'm going to give this amount to Jesus even though I'm broke. Because it's not about how much I have or don't have. It's about my heart. And my heart wants to be a part of what God's doing. And I, wanted, and, and I was doing it joyfully. But you know what? The joy didn't come until I actually started giving. Okay, it's not like I was like, yay, I'm finding a lot of joy while I'm writing the check. No, I didn't. The joy came when I was giving it to the church that I was a part of. When I was giving it um, to a missions organization. And then was see, hearing stories of what God was doing. Seeing how God was moving. That's when the joy came. Our church has decided this year, this year is our first year off on our own. We're giving 10% of our budget away to missions. And we're going to increase that by 2% every year. And we're saying that before we even know how much is going to come in. Because where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Joy follows. You can't get joy out of giving until you give. So I'm not going to pressure you to do it. I want to encourage you though. Man, you want to find joy in the Lord? 
give to what God's all about. You've experienced this to some degree, I'm sure. You ever paid for someone's meal? Or someone's, someone's over here and you see them. You know, maybe you're sitting at Applebee's or whatever. And you're like, man, can, can you just put their, their bill on my tab? And then, you, and then you just leave. And maybe as you're walking out, they discover it. And they're just like, what? You know, just they're overjoyed. And you're, you're filled with so much joy. I'm sure you've done something to that extent. I want to show you a video of someone that I'm sure you're all familiar with, Ebenezer Scrooge. Okay, and this is from one of the older Christmas Carol versions, but I think he does a really good job um, showing us what the joy of giving can can actually look like. So check this out. (laughs) Good stuff. So Randy Alcorn actually finishes his book by talking about Scrooge, and he says this. What was the source of Scrooge's transformation? Gaining an eternal perspective. Through supernatural intervention, Scrooge was allowed to see his past, present, and still changeable future through the eyes of eternity. Let's ask God for the same insight into our lives. Ebenezer Scrooge leaped for joy on the streets of London because he discovered the life-giving antidote to the materialism that had poisoned his soul. Scrooge learned the secret of joyful giving. I invite you to send your treasure onto heaven where they, will, where they will safely await you. When you do, you'll feel the freedom, experience the joy, and sense the smile of God. When you give, you'll feel His pleasure. So I invite you, experience freedom from finding your significance and from finding your security in money by finding your significance, your value, your worth, and finding your security in Jesus. And find the most joy possible in radical, joy-filled giving. Because where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Let's pray. God, I thank you for blessing us so much. We have so much to be thankful for here in this country especially. But God, I pray that you would help me and every person in here to view money the way you view it. That we would no longer look at money as something that's, that, that is holding us down or causing us anxiety or causing us fear. Instead, it would be something that we would delight in because we're, we're giving it away joyfully and radically out of a heart that loves you, God, and is, is, is totally in love with you. I pray that you would help us to to realize how significant we are, not because of anything we've done, but because of what you've done, Jesus. And find how secure we are because of what you've done, Jesus. We can't find those things in money. We can't find those things in stuff, in relationships, in anything. We can only find that in you, God. So come and bring freedom, Jesus. Change hearts, Lord. That's what I pray the most, God, that that hearts would be changed here today. Before even a cent is affected in people's pocketbooks, that hearts would be changed. That we would be more in love with you, Jesus, than we would be in love with this world. That More in love with you than we are with stuff, than we are with money. Thank you, God, that our 
that our worth is not found in anything on this earth, but in what you've done, in what can never be taken away from us, God. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.